just to kind of give you an idea of where we're going in, in the weeks ahead, um, we'll have a conversation this morning on being, and then we'll have a conversation next week about service and cultivation in the environment. And then week three, we'll talk about protecting and restoring in our relationship to creation. And then in the fourth week, uh, we're going to have just a real candid conversation uh, about um, how this affects our lives personally and politically. So we'll talk about um, climate change and all of the effects that um, go in with the global, global chi- climate change conversation and then how we uh, live in the world. So very practical. Just It'll be a very, very candid conversation, no sermon, um, on week four. So that's kind of an idea of where we're going week by week. But I thought it was important to really talk this morning about why. What is, what is our theology when it comes to understanding our place in the world? I and mean, we're all here living and breathing parts of creation. Um, and that's just something that I think we have to, to sit with and reorient ourselves uh, to our createdness. Uh, we are often, like the, the poem that I read earlier, uh, we're often in little sterile environments, often inside, and that really impacts how we understand uh, God. And we're going to talk kind of through this conversation this morning theologically. So it's important to have a conversation about how we can love and protect the earth. But I think first we have to rethink our theology, rethink our understanding of both God and the earth. It's the first thing that we read when we open up the Bible. There's a love poem to the universe, to creation. Uh, It's composed in this rhythmic understanding about an unfolding of God in the universe from love. Pope Francis wrote recently, creation is the order of love. God's love is the fundamental moving force in all created things. He goes on and he says, uh, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. This tells us that the world came about as a result of creation, not from chaos, but it exalts this all the more. The creating word expresses free choice. The universe did not emerge as a result of an arbitrary omnipotence, a show of force or a desire for self-assertion. Quote, for love of all things that exist and detest none of these things that you have made, for you would not have made anything that you would have hated. And then um, that um, is a quote from the wisdom literature. Uh, so like Andrew, like I said, Andrew and I went to Sequoia. I, feel, I felt like uh, if I was going to talk about uh, nature, I should probably experience some. And we had a, we had a, great, uh, we had a great time. Uh, like I said, it was amazing to be in a forest where um, you can have such a direct uh, connection to thousands of years. And I think um, we have to kind of immerse ourselves sometimes in our physical location in order to be reminded of what is already true. So we understand at some, we understand at like a mental level um, that creation and sunsets and like you go to Malibu, like they're not, like creation's not there just for our selfies. Um, <laughs> it's so funny, like if you're, because you know, I mean, the national park's beautiful, but there are actual, there are people everywhere. And so you just see like, so I'm just, I'm just thinking, oh, this is, oh, this is kind of sad. But anyway, nonetheless, you know, creation, we understand this, uh, but God's relationship to us 
is a part of this unfolding, that we are here because God's continual movement in creation. 13.8 billion years culminating in us being here this morning. We are a part of this unfolding of God in creation. So for a long time, Christianity, I think, has really lost um, the meaning of our intended relationship to creation. We have assumed a license of domination and consumption, and then Christians have often used this, uh, used their faith to justify the inhumane and profane treatment of the earth, its animals, and even each other. The word profane is really interesting. So it comes from uh, these Latin words, uh, pro meaning in front of, and phanum meaning temple. So in front of the temple. So we have this idea that we live outside of the temple, that we live in a profane environment, that what is in church or what is in the temple is holy and sacred, and what is outside deserves to be dominated and exploited. Profane. So how can we reorient ourselves back toward creation in order to better understand ourselves, our world, and God? As Christians, we've removed ourselves from creation, and by doing that, we've removed ourselves from God. Thomas Berry wrote, Our inner spiritual world cannot be activated without experience of the outer world of wonder for the mind beauty for the imagination, and intimacy for emotions. Irenaeus, who was a Christian theologian in the the second century, um, he taught that creation flows out of the very substance of God. That all things carry within them the essence of the one God. I think Irenaeus is communicating um, that the very matter of the universe Everything, Don, this, this mic, the, the very matter of the universe radiates with the divine. And that when we understand uh, creation or your dog, that all of that flows from the divine substance. And then once we realize this, we begin to understand and interact with the world as if everything is holy. All of it is divine. So I think Christianity should be a profane religion. It should exist outside of the temple, in front of the temple. We've cornered the market on God and told people to come into these, these walls, but it actually should be a religion of the created world, because all is holy. God cannot be contained in our temples. 13.8 billion years of the divine continuously creating A grounded theology recognizes everything as sacred, as it comes from the divine. Uh, Even Thomas Aquinas uh, wrote, The whole universe, in its wholeness, more perfectly shares in and represents the divine goodness than any one creature by itself. In other words, we need all created things. Exploitive forms of Christianity, consumerism, matter, nature, animals, or anything outside of the temple, if, if they're not seen as holy, not sacred, not divine, which teaches that creation does not come from a holy substance, this mindset leads to abuse of creation. And we've seen that. So empires and corporations, they can do whatever they want to the earth because matter is not holy. It's profane. 
And then Christianity has become a direct accomplice of this type of subordination of the earth. This is one of the reasons of the many why theology is really, really important. It changes the way you see and interact with your world. Paul says in Acts, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples made by human hands. So can we return to the divine in our home, in our true createdness, in the world? If you, would, if you would learn more, ask the cattle. Seek information from the birds of the air. The creeping things of earth will give you lessons, and the fishes of the seas will tell you all, says Job. What if we understood all of creation coming from the womb of God? What if we allowed ourselves to be taught by nature? Would it change if we understood ourselves not apart from God's creation, but rather a part of God's creation? Maybe we could re-understand that profane message out of the temple that God is above all and in all. So there's this guy named Jesus. Uh, In many streams of Christianity, Jesus is understood as the creator and then the divine incarnation of God on earth. That he teaches a way of living in creation as a created being with a posture of active nonviolence. This active nonviolence comes into direct conflict with his own culture, religion, the Roman Empire. And I think a reorientation for us to a grounded theology and an eco-spirituality involves our own practice of active nonviolence that will similarly conflict with our own assumptions, our own cultures, and our religion of capitalism. About two years ago, I was critical during a a sermon of the fossil fuel industry. And this woman came up to me after uh, the service. She never came back. (laughs) And she said, you should not speak negatively about companies that are using what God gave us to use. Uh, And I said, capitalism is a violent religion that exploits the earth. And she never came back. Uh, But capitalism is a violent religion that pillages and exploits and subordinates the earth for profit. It subordinates the earth for profit. If you don't believe me, just Google ExxonMobil tar sands deforestation, and you'll know. Um, We are violently removing natural habitats and causing global climate devastation for capitalism. And we're all guilty. We're all complicit in some way, shape, or form. But we lose 2.5 acres of of rainforest Every second, gone, 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 gone. Our animal agriculture industry just in the U.S. kills 278 animals a second. Gone, gone, gone. What are you eating for lunch? I'm just kidding. St. Francis communed so deeply with nature that he called the animals brother-sister. He even preached sermons to the animals. I still haven't done that yet. So what does the practice of Christian nonviolence in a rootedness of 
who we are in creation. What does that look like in 2018? Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. What do you think of when you hear the word meek? I'm just curious. Yeah, what do you, what do you, what do you think of, Philip? Humility. All right. That's great. Anything else? Thomas Merton uh, wrote that meekness is the biblical word for nonviolence. Blessed are the nonviolent, for they will inherit the earth. A life of nonviolent leads to oneness with creation and her, cre- and her creatures. One of my professors wrote constantly about uh, something called just peacemaking. In other words, Christians are called, all of us are called, to works of active peacemaking and active nonviolence. To live nonviolently both towards nature, creatures, and humans. It requires that we recognize God's image in every living thing. We cannot be violent towards someone or something when we see the divine in every living thing. Blessed are the nonviolent, for they will inherit the earth. Jesus, Jesus talks about this posture, I think, in Matthew 6 when he says, I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they are? Among you, who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life? So what Jesus is essentially saying here is he's, he's developing an understanding of, of being in creation, of a person being so in tune with both nature, their true self, and God, that they are at one, that uh, forget the anxiety of scarcity, that there won't be enough. There won't be enough food. There won't be enough. There won't be enough. And he's saying, who, who adds a day by worrying? He's, he's practicing a reorientation, a new kind of theology. That's actually an ancient kind of theology. It's a groundedness in being a created being by God. Jesus taught this attitude of created oneness in nonviolence when he invited us to, comp, uh, to contemplate the lilies of the field. He was present to everyone and everything. And in this way, Jesus shows us the way to overcome that superficial anxiety that we all have. Like, I have it too. Like, it, it beats here, right? Like, we know it. We know it when we feel it. Thomas Berry wrote, There is no such thing in human community without the earth and the soil and the air and the water and all living forms. Without these, humans do not exist. So do we see ourselves that interconnected with all of creation, with each other, with nature? And how does that change how we understand who we are in the world, who we are as people created? Um, It's strange that we even find ourselves here at all. And so how do we re-understand our relationship to God, to nature, and to each other? So my hope this morning is that your soul would be refreshed by nature, the outdoors. That you, 
like Job, will listen to creation. You were created for being at one with God, who is in all and through all and above all. You were created in love for love, love of the earth, nature, and each other. So may you continue to understand your being as part of this beautiful creation, not apart from it. Let's pray. Loving God, mother that birthed all of us here, that has been unfolding and developing and creating this mysterious, beautiful universe. We repent this morning from the ways that uh, we just haven't understood our place in the world, that we've neglected uh, and abused your creation. We ask that uh, you speak in the stillness that is within us as created people, that we would become more in rhythm, in tune, at one with who we are and in our relationship to everything else, that you would speak to us, that you would transform us, that you would love us, and then in turn, we would love your creation.